Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. Early on in his poetics, Aristotle is going to provide us with some definitions that he actually quite literally calls definitions. And this is a bit of a side note, but sometimes when people are reading through Aristotle's works, they will import this term definition into their understanding or the translation of what Aristotle's saying when he doesn't actually use the term horos, which means definition or the verbal forms of this. In this section, he actually tells us that he's giving us a definition, a horos, of the nature or the substance, the usia of tragedy itself as a type of mimesis. And then when he goes through the different parts or components, however we want to translate mere, he will actually say that now that we've defined them, dioris menon, de tuton, right? Now we're going to talk about these other matters. So he, he really is intending to define things, both in terms of tragedy itself and in terms of its parts. So what is the definition of the essence of tragedy? It tells us four main things, and there's some other things that we could add to this later on, but what he's explicitly saying here is that it's a mimesis, an imitation, right? So it's a type of mimesis. There are many different sorts. A mimesis of action. So it's not just mimesis of any old thing, but praxis. And praxis means action. It's actually going to be actions, plural, as we're going to see, and also matters, pragmaton, which is connected with, with praxis. So mimesis of action, that is, now we can translate this term as elevated, or another term would be decent or serious, spudaya right? A term that we often see used as equivalent to virtuous or serious or on the way to virtue in other places when it's applied to a person. When we're talking about an action, the action itself is something that is important. Also then complete. So brought to its fruition would be a good way of translating teleas, right? Uh, tele is the goal or the end. We're going to see him discussing that a bit in this section. And of magnitude. And you might say, well, how is elevated and of magnitude? How are these different from each other? In the Greek of magnitude, megathos exousis, right? So having a certain grandeur, we might say. So elevated or serious would apply to the action itself. And then it's dealing with important things, right? So that's one part. That's telling us what it's about, the objects. In language, embellished by distinct forms in its section. Aristotle will actually provide us with a little gloss on this. He says, I used embellished for language with rhythm and melody and distinct forms for the fact that some parts are conveyed through metrical speech alone, others through song. So in tragedy, there would be portions of it that would actually be sung, and then there are portions of it that are just spoken. It's all through the forms of making it interesting, making it pretty. And we're going to see this discussed in terms of Lexus and just 
just a bit. Mode, how this is actually done, the hosts in Greek, the way in which things are conveyed, enactment, dronton, right? This is the word that drama is actually going to come from according to Aristotle. Things that are being done, things that are shown as being done, and not through narrative or announcing, as we would see, for example, in epic poetry, you know, when Homer is telling us about, you know, the conflict in, in book one of the Iliad between Agamemnon and Achilles, he allows each of them to speak, but he also narrates what's going on, right? Achilles is about to draw his sword and strike Agamemnon down where he stands because he's inflamed with anger, but he doesn't do it. Well, that's narrated. On stage, it would actually be enacted in, in some way. And then here's a particularly interesting and distinctive feature of Aristotle's account of tragedy, catharsis, which means something like purification or cleaning. So through two particular emotions, pity, laos, and fear, phobos, producing catharsis in the audience members, but perhaps also in the actors, right, of those emotions. So this is what Aristotle takes as being of the essence of tragedy. These are the things that are really distinctive. Does this cover everything that tragedy does or is? No, there's other matters as well, but these are at the very core of what Aristotle takes tragedy to be. Now, he also then, immediately after telling us that, is going to start talking about the aspects or elements or parts, quite literally, of tragedy. And he's going to do this in several different ways. First, he talks about the actors rendering the mimesis. So there's the arrangement of spectacle. And that's actually the thing he considers to be the least important, the opsis. And we'll get to that in a moment. He goes on and says, to this, we can add lyric poetry and diction. Why? These are the media in which they render the mimesis. The actors uh, actually do this. And then he tells us what diction is and lyric poetry is. And we're going to get to those in a moment. Then he says, and since tragedy is mimesis of an action and the action is conducted by agents or people who should have certain qualities in both character and thought, because it's those factors that allow us to ascribe qualities to their actions, the plot is the mimesis of the action. So we've got the other things together. And he says, tragedy must have six components, which give it the tragedy, its quality, its what it's like. What are these? Plot, character, diction, thought, spectacle, and lyric poetry. And then he tells us the media, the what the mimesis is in, are two. The mode is one. It's the spectacle. And it's objects, three. There are no others. This is what tragedy is really about in terms of its components. So now we've got like components of tragedy, the working parts, and we've got the definition of what tragedy is, what it does. This tells us a lot, particularly when we look at the other things that he tells us he's defining these parts. And he actually sets them out in an order of importance. Plot, muthos, is the absolutely most important part of tragedy, according to Aristotle. 
He actually goes so far as to say you could have a tragedy that has plot but doesn't really have character, meaning that the writer doesn't effectively convey character of the characters, right? They're kind of just generic, blah, 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 boring sorts, but it, it could have a plot. Right? That's not a good tragedy. And we don't have any examples of that because we only have the, the best examples, presumably. Second in importance, character, Athe. Now, this is not just having a cool character. It means the type of person, morally speaking, who this character is. That's important for tragedy. Then we have thought, dianoia, third in importance, right? Conveying the ideas of the characters within the scope of the story itself. Fourth in importance, diction, lexis, a term that Aristotle uses both in this and in the rhetoric in book three, where he devotes considerable discussion to it. So if you want to know more about Lexus, that may be a place for you to go. And then we have fifth in importance, lyric poetry, melopoeia. This is actually song, right? So the parts of the tragedy where actors are singing things out. And then we have spectacle, opsis, which includes like stage construction and the costumes and the masks and all of that sort of stuff. We might actually include choreography in there as well, although there could be a reason why we would leave it out and, and perhaps think of that as being part of how character or plot is conveyed. So let's look at each of these six parts in turn. So plot He's going to use two really important, closely connected words to convey what's going on here. So it's the construction, the synthesis of the matters, the pragmaton. Pragmaton are the things that are being thought about, talked about, done. It comes from the word for action, prachain, which we get praxis, the action itself from, and then the pragmaton, the things that the action is about, or perhaps the consequences. He also talks about the structure, the sustasis of the matters using the same word. Now you notice the sun and sus, these are words that in Greek mean together. Thesis means placing something. So things are placed together and then the sustasis, things are also stuck together. They're arranged in some sort of complex order. And he's going to tell us that, you know, this is the most important element of it. The events and plot are the goal of tragedy. The goal, the telos is the most important thing of all. The most important of these matters is the structure event because tragedy is mimesis, not of persons. It's not just a character study, but of action, praxeos, and life, beyond. Now, he's not meaning life just in a big, broad, capital L generic sense, like tragedy is about life, you know, theater is life. He means particular ways of living, the products of our conditioning and choices and our fate perhaps even in that. So this is incredibly important, right? He's going to tell us that the action that's being narrated, actually presented in the story, you know, the, the narration thing is kind of interesting because characters do narrate what's going on, don't they? So that might be something that we have to bring into a little bit of bracketing. So plot, absolutely important. What about character? 
Now, as I mentioned, he said you could have a tragedy without character, but it's not a very good tragedy, right? We actually want compelling characters, characters that can move us, that we can identify with, that we can take all sorts of emotional stances towards, including fear and pity, but perhaps also anger or joy or sadness or all of the other emotions. What is it? So he says, it's in virtue of character that people have certain qualities, that they're of certain types, poietines, right? So character is telling us, you know, the kind of person that somebody is. And that's really central. He also says, what is character? It's that in virtue of which we ascribe certain qualities to the actors, to the agents. We said, this is a good person. This is a bad person. What kind of good person are they? They're courageous. They're cowardly, right? They're wise. They're foolish. They're just. They're unjust. Notice that we're using the language of virtues and vices in this. That's pretty important. So he says that we have to develop, ascribe certain characters to people. And he's going to tell us that character is what reveals what we translate as moral choice, prioracis. You're Think about it as your, sometimes you say moral compass, your values, your commitments, your priorities. All of that is there in this notion of moral choice. Character is the kind of person that a character in the play is. And he says, what kinds of things an, uh, a person chooses or rejects? right? What it is that they are about, we say. So character is very important. Then we have thought, the annoyum. And it's interesting because we typically think of, well, you know, there's what I think and then what I say. So in a tragedy, the characters reveal what it is that they think by saying it, or sometimes by what they do sometimes by what other people say about them. You're this kind of person. You're following this sort of line of reasoning. And they may do that rightly or wrongly. A great example of this is Creon in Sophocles' Antigone, where he's saying, everybody's run by money, right? That's wrong. Clearly, Antigone isn't. Clearly, the sentry who just wants to get away after giving the bad news isn't. But this shows you what Creon thinks. And so Aristotle tells us that it's how characters demonstrate, and he uses the term for that to, to bring forth, to show, right? Or declare what it is that they actually think. And he says that we can demonstrate that something is or is not so, so something particular, or we can declare a general view about things. You know, we can say people are all like this. We can talk in, in universals. And when he talks about declaring their view, it's kind of an interesting term, their gnome, their judgment, their viewpoint on things. And so all three of these, plot, character, thought, are the things that tragedy is about the objects of tragedy. And so a successful tragedy has to do a lot of work integrating these together. Then we get to what we can call the media. How is it that tragedy actually conveys things as mimesis? And then we get diction, Lexus, right? He calls this the composition of the speech, right? So how do you actually say things? How do the characters say things? 
And this is what the playwright is putting into the mouths of the characters or the expression through the various choices of words. What kind of language are you choosing? And this ties in with character and thought, right? So somebody who's just a humble servant is going to have kind of humble language. Somebody who's a big, proud tyrant, overweening language. If, if you flip them, that's not quite the right diction or Lexus. About lyric poetry, Aristotle actually tells us, oh, this is entirely clear. I don't actually need to tell you what that is. You all know what it is. And I think we do. It's, it's the things that are sung within the, the play. Now, what's most interesting about this is that in talking about the ordering of importance, he's going to tell us that it's the greatest embellishment, megaston to heidusmaton. Now, embellishment, kind of an abstract term. Let's change it instead to it's the greatest, megaston, the greatest of the pleasure-giving aspects. Right? We like to hear the singing. People still do love musicals, right? And even sometimes if you're doing an interesting show that doesn't usually have musical numbers in it, there'll sometimes be an episode where everybody's singing. Right? And people like that sort of thing. So Aristotle thinks that's an important part of it. And this might actually tie in with the how you arouse pity and, and fear, you know, because music plays a role in that. And then finally, the last part, spectacle or opsis. This is quite interesting because he's going to tell us that it is, as he says, emotionally potent, right? And the word for that is psukagikon, right? So psukagike is, or psukagikon is something that amuses us, arouses us, keeps our attention, something that literally drives our soul, right? It pushes our soul in a certain way. But Aristotle thinks that this isn't really that important. It's, it's not something that the writer of the tragedy needs to be super concerned with. I mean, they're going to put the tragedy on stage, but he says that it's actually a technototon, which means it's not really part of the techne of writing tragedy. It's something that you do so you can put it on the stage. And he says that it's not really central or integral, oikeon, to the poetry. It's sort of something that we add on. He says a tragedy, the power of it is independent of performance and actors and the costumer's art has more scope than the poets for rendering effects of spectacle. So it's as if this is important in the sense that you got to put tragedies on stage, but it's not the tragedian, the poet who handles that. They can leave that to the lesser people who handle those details of a Appearance. And we might contest this, right? We could say, oh, no, this is actually quite important. But Aristotle thinks that it's of lesser importance, but it's still one part of tragedy. So we've got an arrangement of, of importance. We've got the interconnections between them. And as Aristotle tells us, we have actually defined all six of these as well as tragedy as a whole. So we've got some pretty firm definitions. Aristotle could be wrong, of course, but at least we know exactly what his viewpoint is. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. 
Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works. <laughs>